All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Beauty and the Beast Physical Therapy and Strength and Conditioning Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Dr. Ross Childs. All right, happy Thursday morning, everyone. Hopefully, you're getting out and enjoying some of this chilly sunshine that we're having today. Uh, this week on the podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, nutrition for peak performance uh, or just performance, depending on what you're choosing as your performance activity. Uh, we had a lot of good feedback from our first nutrition podcast, so we didn't necessarily want to dive into uh, weight loss on this first one or talking about increasing muscle mass. You know, really, we just want to talk about you have uh, something performance related you want to perform at your optimal levels, how can we go about fueling your body? And I think, uh, you know, as we talk, we've talked about with a lot of different things, nutrition is no different. And we talked about this a little bit on the nutrition one we did a couple weeks ago. Like this is gonna be different from person to person, from event to event. Somebody who's doing long distance stuff, you know, uh, the thing that always seems to come up when you're talking about nutrition is like carbs and protein versus, you know, lower carb, do people compete on lower carb type stuff? And the answer is, as with everything else, it depends. Some people can perform on certain things on a you know low carb, high fat diet, perform very well. Usually, it's more like endurance based stuff, less of the you know quick, fast paced stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just important to remember that we're going to go over some bits and pieces, but this can be highly different from person to person. And everyone's caloric needs are going to be absolutely different you know the reality of it is none of us are at a research institution or at a large university that have a performance lab that can actually do calorimetry where they can actually detect how much you're outputting versus how much you actually need and they can break it down to the actual microgram or even even less than that Um, so uh, so again we're not getting that specific we're not going to recommend one uh, diet for you. Um, you know, we just want to give again overall concepts that everyone can utilize starting today um, that can hopefully help you perform better. Yeah, and I think you know you got to remember too that if, when we're talking performance, you need to have enough to fuel. Like it's that it's kind of that simple. No matter what way you're eating, you have to have the nutrients that you need. If you performance and weight loss are two can weight loss be a part of performance if you're thinking, you know, out the long term? Yes, you know, because you'll, depending on, you know, what your body weight is, you'll tend to perform better at a lower weight. Of course, it depends on the sport, depends on the activity. I'm saying that as somebody who's like, okay, I, you know, if I gain 20 pounds now, it would be harder for me to perform even if I was eating to support that, playing soccer or something like that than I am now. So I'm not saying you need to lose weight. Yeah. I'm just over explaining this for some reason. I don't no, know but, why. But but, the <laughs> but even the you know, most athletes, unless you're consuming a gross amount of calories, most athletes lose weight throughout their yeah. athletic season. And that's just due to the amount of practice, the game time. Uh, maybe they're not getting optimal recovery. They're not able to train the same way that they they once did. So really, the the goal is you know maintenance at that mm-hmm. point. It's not even a matter of just building muscle mass or keeping strength. Right. It's just maintenance of it. You know, we we should be able to do that if structured correctly. So you know, then you can focus on just performance after that. Um, but you know, I hear too often, you know, oh well, I eat X, Y, and Z, but I work out, you know four hours a day, six days a week. Right. And it's like, you're already under fueling yourself. You know, you're, you're in a chronic 
caloric state. You know, and, and we always joke about 1,200, 1,200 right. calories because it seems to be everyone's on 1,200 calories. Every diet or nutrition app says I should be at 1,200 calories. Why? What for? Like, people don't really understand what goes into it. You have to look at your basal metabolic rate. And that's just what you need just to live, go to the bathroom, breathe. Mm-hmm. Then how much are you, how many calories are you using to actually burn off food? And then what are you using for activity? So again, you're, you're probably at rest. You're burning more than 1,200 calories unless you're severely deconditioned. Right. You know, a lot of people are burning 15 to 1,800 and they don't even realize it. Right. So that's the minimum that we should be using. Now... I don't like measuring things and I don't feel like being a purist when it comes to that. So I like to look at it as, you know, seven day blocks. Some days Mm -hmm. I'm going to eat less, some days I'm going to eat a little bit more. You know, and typically on the days that I work out, I eat more. On the days I don't work out, I eat less, but then I usually try to change up the macronutrients. And when we talk about macronutrients, we're talking about fats, proteins, and carbs. Um, So I try to manipulate those a little bit more. So whether people choose to call that cyclical carb loading or whatever it is it doesn't matter to me it's just understanding okay i have this event i need to have fuel in my system for x y and z and and fueling is what you do beforehand what you do during and then what you do after then set you up to have the optimal recovery so it's not like it's just oh i can run and and have a goo it's like no that's going to give be your quickest option to get sugar into your blood for instant energy but is that the best thing for the recovery? Is that the best thing for the next race that you have a month down the road? So, you know, we have to take all this stuff in, into account. Now, when someone comes into the gym, what, what type of nutrition questions do you typically ask them? Uh, you know, so kind of like usually the big ones are like, what do you like the snacking stuff? Because usually, some not that there's anything necessarily wrong with snacking, but usually what people are snacking on will often tell you a lot about what's going on. Like, are they feeling that they're constantly hungry, so they have to snack, or they want to snack, or are they getting cravings, so mm-hmm. they want to snack? Not necessarily hunger cravings, but like. You know, some people are more like can you know sugar cravings that kind of thing can often tell you a lot about that. And in a lot of times, when you you ask somebody what would you change or like what do you you know what's one step that would help you be successful? Usually, it's something along those lines. You know, cut out snacking, uh, less candy, less you know or you know whatever. Yeah. Um, I always find it interesting just to go off on on tangent a little bit. You know, when people come in, they, they talk about snacking and they'll say, oh, well, I had, you know, organic cookies made with organic sugar. Right. I'm like, please, please tell me more. Right. And they're like, well, it's it's healthier. It's like, is, is it? Is it? Is it really healthier? Uh, so I just think it's funny when, when we take junk food, we throw the word organic in front of it and now yeah. all of a sudden it becomes healthy. Right. Uh, and it's like, eh, cookies weren't healthy beforehand. They're not going to be healthy now. Sorry to break it to you. It, it's just one of those things. I'm not saying don't eat it. Right, but, yeah. But don't don't tell me it's healthy just right. because don't, the word yeah, organic is there. In my opinion, when you do – it's kind of like when people use, um, you know, cauliflower for – not that – not that. I mean, I've done that and I because I don't mind it. I've used like cauliflower crust for pizza mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think it's – 
funny if you take somebody who, like, for example, would, you know, has pizza once a month and, like, oh, well, now I'm going to make it with cauliflower crust. And, like, dude, just have the pizza once a month. Yeah, like, exactly. Dude, just enjoy it because you're not going to – if you're going into that thinking this pizza is going to taste exactly like real pizza but it's going to be way healthier – not that it's not going to taste good, but it's not going to taste like real pizza. Dude, just have the real pizza. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're going to have – if you have an issue with wanting sweets all the time, there's probably stuff that's bigger at play and you're better off tackling that than you are switching to organic cookies instead of Chips Ahoy yeah, because you're not, you're not changing the mechanisms. Yes, maybe there are better sources. Like, if you – you know, zero to a hundred percent. Maybe it makes a five percent difference. You know, to have stuff that's made with organic ingredients versus a Chips Ahoy. Yeah. But you, the base issue, if that's what you want to say, is not whether or not you're eating organic cookies versus regular cookies. It's why your sugar cravings are so through the roof. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, absolutely. You know, it's it's kind of like you know just staying on sugar. People have gotten away from using table sugar and things. And now they just dump a ton of honey and maple syrup in it, right. which are healthier options in the scheme of things. But now when you're doubling and tripling the amount of honey and the maple syrup that you have right. to use to now you know fill you up yeah. or or to uh, satisfy that craving, now it's not any healthier. Now you're taking something that's better in theory, and now you're turning it against you because you're using too much of it. Right. You know, those so, things are not as sweet. Exactly. Yep. You know, and, and I'm not I'm not a fan of necessarily portion control when you're eating for your body. Right. You know, when but but you have to have a, an awareness and a mindfulness of what your body needs. Yeah. You know. Um, but if people are still eating foods that are not as healthy, the easiest thing I suggest is just don't eat as much of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to change everything. And I think that's the biggest mistake because a lot of people go zero to 100, I'm changing everything. Yeah. Or you, then you get the people that say, well, I'm switching from junk food to organic junk food. Right. It's like they're, they're not willing to make that change, but they want a different title because now perception-wise, they think they're changing. Right. So I think if we're, we're somewhere in the middle of those two extremes, uh, I think most people would be healthier just from that. They'd feel better, they'd have more energy, they'd, they'd be able to sleep better, uh, they'd probably reduce the likelihood of diabetes and cardiovascular disease and systemic inflammation. Um, because I, I really think between stress and poor nutrition, and a lack of sleep for that matter, mm-hmm. that, that, that alone is really three big modifiable risk factors that, that make us sick. Right. You know, and then it just builds upon itself. And the next thing you know, we need prescription medications, which then keep us into that um, cycle of sickness. And then next thing you know, we're eating crappier, we can't move, we sleep less, and then right. now it's just a vicious cycle, and then we suffer, and then eventually we expire. Right. And I mean, I think it's, it, you know, What's one of the and a, one of the base laws of matter of I don't know if it's technically thermodynamics or whatever. So matter cannot be created or destroyed. It can only change forms, right? So and the reason that I'm saying I'm bringing that up because it sounds completely out of left field is it's another way to think about the fact that like okay, if you're performance based or you're trying to, you know, build muscle tissue, you have to be taking in enough. Jeez. No, it's because the doors are open. Okay. Yeah. You have to be taking in enough 
or more than enough in order to, you know, allow your body to do what it has to do without it breaking down its own tissue. Like if, if you're trying to gain muscle mass, so increase your muscle, you have to take in enough to increase muscle. You can't take in less than your body needs and also gain. You can gain strength, Correct. but whether or not you can actually gain the muscular components that increase the size of the muscle or the lean tissue in general, it's, it's difficult. Well, and your body has a set point. Right. You know, so that's why you have to continually eat that much to keep the muscle that size or to keep your performance level where it should be because your body doesn't want to stay there. Everyone's body has a set point, and we can change it to the right and to the left a little bit, but not not for long periods of time. You know, if you gain 10 pounds of muscle for some reason, your body doesn't like it. It's going to try to get rid of it, so you need that surplus of calories. Right. Um, you know, and... And performance is the same thing. You know, really, you perform at a high level. The only way to stay there is to continually give your body the energy it needs to, to create that type of performance. Now, how we go about doing that is going to differ from everyone. You know, and, and I don't necessarily like think of it in terms of uh, calories in versus calories out because it, that's too simplistic. You know, are there some people that can tolerate that? Yeah, absolutely. Some people always count calories. Great if that works for you. Awesome. But again, that always goes back to, you know, you can take two things that are both 100 calories and that's assuming that they're both going to break down to your system the same way. That's assuming that they have the same nutrient values and nutrient ratios. Um, so it's not as, as simple as that. However, if we're looking in terms of uh, a, a checking account, mm -hmm. you know, if you are going to buy something, you need to make sure you have enough in the checking account so that you don't overdraw and get drafting fees and things along those lines. Energy for an event is really no different. You know, if you know you're going to be burning, you know, let's let's just say 5,000 calories for someone who's running doing a triathlon, which may even be more. I'm not even sure. And they only have 2,000 calories in reserve. Yeah. Well, they better hope that their body's efficient at switching through the other macronutrients, because if not, they have to get it from somewhere. Right. And that's that's just that's where people bonk and hit the wall and. You know, that's where the body will start robbing nutrients from somewhere else in the body, whether in the forms of muscle or fat or pull water from the joints. And that's when injury occurs. You know, oftentimes injury, especially repetitive stress injuries, will happen due to a high level activity, not enough recovery, and not enough performance nutrition. Yeah. So now, what do you think... Uh, and this could probably go either way. So this is probably an, an it depends. But if you just had to take a guess, do you think people take in too many calories or not enough calories? So the reason that I, I say it depends is because I think on a majority scale, so like if you were to think about it in a week and you think about, and this is part of the reason that I think that people go off the rails so hard on the weekend. I think if you think about it in a week, people probably take in enough or too many calories. If you think about it Monday through Friday, I think people undereat. Mm. I think what people try to do is they spend too much time in a deficit because they're trying to, they're so, most people, especially in this country, we're so um, weight phobic, yes. for lack of a better way to put it. 
are trying so hard to not either put on weight or lose weight that they stay in too big a deficit. They don't eat enough. And then when they do eat, they go off the rails. So it's like, okay, you let's say that your basal metabolic, let's say that you need 1,700 calories a day in order to, you know, do whatever you're doing. Let's say you train. Let's say you, you know, you don't have a super active job, but enough and you have some muscle tissue, you need 1,700 calories just for a, for a random number. It's probably higher than that, believe yeah. it or not. Let's say that you, for five days, eat 1,200 calories. And then you're so hungry and your cravings are so high that Friday and Saturday, excuse me, Saturday and Sunday, you eat 6,000 calories. Over a full week, you've actually eaten more, so you're going to end up theoretically gaining weight. I mean, it, it, it ebbs yeah, and froze, so. but I think I think when it comes to performance, and I think it comes to people that train, that actually train, are more often than not eating too little. Sure. So, that's interesting, because then we have to take into account the activity that they put into it, the intensity. So I'd say for a non-active individual, that's absolutely how people will eat, and in a non-active individual, if you're consuming more than 3,500 calories more than what your body needs, in theory, you're going to be gaining one pound of weight. Now, again, if that were the case, you know, and, and weight loss isn't this way, and we know that because we could just reduce it by 3,500 calories a week and we'd lose it one pound a week for the rest of our lives. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. Our metabolism won't allow it. But, you know, I, I would say, and, and I'm talking more about a more active population, mm-hmm. I think active population individuals under eat. Because yes, I think there is, that, I agree. there is that weight phobia that you yeah. just talked about because there's always a certain level of performance that they want to be able to achieve. Yes. So I'd say just your average person overconsumes and then your active individual underconsumes. You know, especially up here we see a lot of hikers. You know, they can go on hikes for six, eight, ten hours. Some of them are hiking, you know, at starting at three AM and, right. and end six o'clock the, the next day. You know, so what was that, fifteen hours of yeah. hiking? Now granted they'll take breaks and fuel up, but you know, there was a, a TikTok challenge that I saw. It was, can you burn 10,000 calories in one day? You had 24 hours to do it. And there was a guy that did it. Yeah. And if you're doing it once, you can do it and get away with it. Right. You know, and he was in shape. And, and I wouldn't ask just your average person to do it. But if you had to lose 10,000 calories a day, whew, yeah. you know how many you have to consume? Yeah. Like, you would have to consume twice that amount if you're pushing yourself that hard every day. And do you know what it would be like eating 20,000 calories? 10,000 calories for yeah. that matter? I, yeah, I can't even. That's, I mean, that's the reason, like, it, you know, what, when was it that it came out where they were talking about Michael Phelps eating 10,000 calories a day? And, you know, that's where it was like McGriddles and, like, it's just like you, because you can't, I don't know. Yeah. You told me I had to eat 10,000 calories in. Like rice, vegetables, and lean. Pro- there's, I, I couldn't. I don't think I could do it. I would, I'd walk away. I'd yeah, retire. Yeah. I'd find a new sport. Yeah, right, 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 right. No thanks. Like it's just it, people don't understand that consuming. And and I'll just pick three thousand calories because most of us never get there, even though we think we do. Three thousand calories is a lot of food in one day. Yeah. You know, four thousand, five thousand. Basically, all you're doing is you're you're sleeping. Yeah. You eat. You take a break to eat, yeah. and then you go do your daily things plus eating. Then you have lunch. Then you eat. 
Like it, it's just, it's, it's a lot of work to do that. People yep. are getting up in two, three in the morning to throw down a protein shake just to make sure their body doesn't go into a catabolic state, right. which I, I don't necessarily agree with that because now they're messing with their sleep state. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to me, what's more important, the extra protein in the middle of the night or getting quality sleep because yeah. you're potentially waking up out of a deep sleep and then you don't get back into it. Um, so sometimes I think some of the practices that we use are kind of asinine, but hey, then again, you know, what, what do I know? It's just my opinion. So, um, but as far as let's say one of your athletes comes in, you've determined they've, they've under, um, under nutrition, under eight, they're, yeah, they're, in, a, yeah, under they're in a chronic caloric deficit. Yeah. What are, what are one to two easy things that you recommend right away that anyone listening can implement right now? I mean, the easiest thing is when you're hungry, eat. Mm -hmm. Um, People get way too caught up in the fact that hunger isn't real. Yeah. And often the reason that you think hunger isn't real is because you fight it so hard and then you break. Yeah. Um. So that's, I mean, that's the biggest one, eat. And if I'm talking about a performance person, usually my go-to is a lot of times, more often than not, is stop fearing the carbs. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I I believe we touched upon it one time. I'm glad you brought that up because oftentimes when people are not taking in enough calories, they're also avoiding carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And there are telltale signs. Usually people feel like they're cold all the time, especially the thinner the individual who's avoiding carbs. They're cold all the time. Generally, they find that their hair and nails are becoming brittle, and um, they're actually starting to put on weight. You know, but that's because their thyroid hormones can't convert because they're not taking in enough carbs to do so. So T3 and T4. Um, so I I agree with that. And, and again, I'm not against carbohydrates. You mm-hmm. know, do I eat bread? Rarely. You know, do do I eat cookies? Not often. Do I love that stuff? Sure. But do I have ample amounts of uh, vegetables and, you know, I say I don't eat bread. You know, if I have the opportunity to have like uh, sourdough bread, so it's fermented, so I'm getting some health benefits, I, I don't avoid it. I'm just fortunate that I enjoy protein and vegetables. I, I know it works in my body. And But again, you and I have tried a lot to be able to say this stuff because we failed a lot in order to get where we are. Right. Now, I would certainly say eating eating more. Eat when you're hungry is usually the easiest recommendation that I'll that I'll tell people. But also, I like to recommend increase your protein. You know, yeah. I, I really don't care where it's coming from. We're not talking about the debate versus animal-based protein versus plant protein. I don't care at that point. You just got to up your protein. Yeah. I just feel that a lot of people don't take in enough because people are led to believe that protein is going to be bad for you over a certain amount. Yeah, I think the recommendation is like 0.3 or 0.4 grams in, per kilogram of lean body mass. I was going to say, in, in, in college, I always remember it was one gram per kilogram of body weight, which is about half of your... Correct. Like if you were to take your body weight in pounds, basically cut it in half, and that's what the recommended protein was. And that's yeah, too- so that's, that's for an active individual. Right. So the 0.3 to 0.4 okay, is to yeah, stave yeah, yeah. off disease. Yeah. And then typically after that, they start saying, well, you can only take in 30 grams at a time because after that, your body can't use it for protein synthesis, which is correct. Your body can't use anymore for protein synthesis. 
However, there are still other processes in the body that are non-protein synthesis related that will utilize protein. So you can take well more than 30 grams in, in one shot and your body's not gonna just excrete it. Now the only problem is if someone's not used to taking ample amounts of protein and they take in too much, it may cause some GI issues. So you just need to be careful with that. But you know, I, I know everyone should calculate and you're supposed to figure out your caloric uh, intake and then from there you can divide it by four and figure out how many grams you can get. But you know, I, I usually tell everyone, you know, for like you or me at a minimum, I'd say we should be hitting 150 grams without even thinking about it. Oh yeah, and I use, then, yeah, yeah, then go up from there. I usually just tell the one that and it's higher than that. I just tell people one gram per body weight. Yeah, per pound of body weight. Oh, doesn't that supposed to be per kilogram? Nope, nope, yeah. per pound of body weight. Well, they, especially when I'm work, talking to clients well, or and, training and everything. And uh, so the guys at Precision Nutrition, Barati, and all, mm-hmm. all those those guys, they they came out with a blog and they looked at you know what's what's a safe amount of protein that we can actually have and they they show that you can actually take in up to two two grams per kilogram of lean body mass and have it perfectly be safe yeah and they said for high level athletes or or high intensity athletes you can even do slightly more the only time it ever causes kidney issues is if you have an underlying kidney problem right so if someone has you know like your um called glomular filtration if that's messed up i wouldn't be loading up on protein things along those lines um but you'd want to get you'd probably know ahead of time that you have a kidney issue if it's one of those things so um but 150 even if it's like 150 pound female 140 pound female it's like 150 that's your goal yeah that's your goal um so we have a a patient and she's also a gym member and and i was talking to her about it and her 150, and she says it with confidence. She knows she needs to keep her protein levels high. Um, so it, it's nice to see that change because most people are like, well, you know, I, I don't take in that much. It's like you're probably not even taking in half of what you realistically need or even even a quarter. So that's usually why I start with, with protein and then manipulate yeah. from there. You know, healthy fats I'm not, I'm not too concerned with. Part of the issue is, again, with, with keto, again, I tried it. It worked in the short term. I enjoyed eating all that stuff, but the only problem is you're kind of limited with what you can do with that, only because you're you're taking in all of your fats and a bunch of oils and stuff like that, you know. And if you're cooking with butter and, and things along those lines, it can cause GI distress. So, uh, you know, I want to say relatively the the safest part is going to be increasing your carbs. You know, assuming you're taking in healthier carbs, right. you, know, you generally don't have to worry about. Too many, too many issues. Now, what do you recommend people consume for carbs? So when you say to someone, eat more carbs, what what is your intention with that? What what do you mean by carbs? So if I had to, if I had to put a number on it, I for most of the time I don't even get around to that number. Because you everybody is led to believe that their carb amount should be virtually zero. Like that's what they're told in the media, that's what they're told. So for me, I would just be happy if you were eating some. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, uh, you know, like with the athletes that I've worked with, be like, protein, get your carbs. Like, I don't – if it's rice, I don't, I don't care. Just get it in. But if I had to, you know, on a macro level, I usually like to have for an athlete about 40 to 50% of their caloric coming from carbs – Depending on the sport, yeah. so I've seen um, seen sixty, eighty, depending as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. pretty significant. 
Um, you know, and I'd say most people, if you let them, and, and you said, don't, don't look at what you're eating, just go eat what you want mm. for that day, they're probably taking in 300 to 500 grams of carbs and they don't even realize it. Um, do I feel most people need that? Not your average person. But then when you're starting to deal with, say, like a triathlete, you'll probably need that. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I bring this up is because now there's a concept, or not now, but everyone's, oh, I carbo load. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? So loading up on carbs the night before a big event. I think it has to be longer than the night before. Um, and I think that that is going to... I think that the, the way that that is going to be most successful, or I can't think of the way to put this. The only way that that's going to be super successful or super helpful is if you're consistently lacking carbs up to that point. Mm. Like if you're eating super low carb, if you're like, oh no, I'm not going to touch carbohydrates for two weeks before an event. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to carbo load the night before. Is it going to help you? Yes, but you'd be better off eating carbs on a more consistent basis Correct. and not having to just down four boxes of pasta the night before an event. Correct. And the reason I ask that is because, and, and I agree, you have to have your body adapt ahead of time. Yeah. Um, there was a research article that came out in 2019. It was a, a sports medicine consensus on nutrition. So they looked at the different macronutrients. And they said, you can carbo-load, but the only difference is it doesn't actually increase your glycogen stores for the performance the next day. Yep. You know, and that's just because your body's probably trying to get rid of it as fast as it can with blood sugar. So maybe initially you'll see an, an uptick in performance, but you know, it's really not changing your glycogen stores being that so, so close to competition. So I'm glad, I'm glad you said that um, because we're training our body to be able to utilize this, the, these macronutrients. So again, if we're not training that way we shouldn't be performing that way right and and that's what i always caution people it's like if you're already halfway through your training like don't don't change your macronutrients at this point it's like suffer through it wait for your next big competition then change things up because you don't know how your body's going to last you know unless you've been doing it for a long time you know how your body's going to respond or you have someone overseeing it you know, and you're basically using it nutrition like a strength training program where some weeks it's strength, some it's hypertrophy, some it's this, some it's that. You know, I think that's doable, but it takes so much time and effort. It's just not worth it sometimes. So now what are some other recommendations that, that you'll typically give when people are saying, well, it's just, it's it's hard to take in more food. Not, not that we tend to hear that too much nowadays because most people enjoy eating, but you know, for for the individual that is weight phobic, you know, they're, they're used to under eating, you know, what are some other recommendations that you like to make for them? Uh, in terms of how to get more food in? Yeah. Um, I mean, you can start getting into like supplements and stuff like that, specifically where we're talking about the protein. Um, for me personally, I like to, I'd rather somebody have a base in real food first and be able to get a decent amount of real food and then... You know, if you're a high-level athlete and you're trying to get in that much protein, it's going to be really hard to do with real food just because it's a lot of food. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, and to make it enjoyable, I yep. guess, or palatable, I guess might be a better way to I mean, same thing. Yeah. But uh, I'm thinking more in the terms of palatable. So, like, okay, uh, I can't think. So, like... Egg whites, you know, having you know, two cups of egg whites is like 
not super enjoyable after a little while. Like you can do it for a little bit, but then it gets kind of like boring. Right, exactly. So, I mean, maybe, you know, adding something into that or, you know, just using real eggs and maybe if you have to, if you're focused on calories too much, you cut a little bit of something else. It just trying to find ways to make it more palatable in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll, I'll always recommend, you know, trying to vary not necessarily very, but make sure you have a variety of, of macronutrients yeah. with, with each meal. Now, again, I know that kind of goes against sometimes how I eat, but again, I always call mine an eating spectrum. But for a lot of people, it's like, all right, make sure you have your carbs, make sure you have some fats, and make sure you have some protein. You know, really, the, the only thing that should change throughout the day is really the ratio of what you're going to be eating. You know, especially I'm all for eating more calories after a workout. Mm-hmm. Um, some people don't feel like eating after a workout. So if that's the case, I'll usually have them do a pre-workout supplement or, you know, 45 minutes before an activity, have something small to eat to get those calories in your system. Um, you know, and also enhances, you know, basically muscle breakdown or an adaptation to the stress that you're going to give it, you know, but really eating doesn't have to be that difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, I really just think, well, we know eating's not difficult, but the, the idea of putting these things into our body We've just gone so far to the ends of the extremes that no one knows what to eat, how to eat, where to eat, why to eat, when to eat. Um, you know, and that that's kind of the hard part. You know, we, we can look all day long, you know, at, at anthropologic studies about what people used to eat. Did we have carbs? Did we not have carbs from a physiologic standpoint? Right now, this conversation doesn't matter. You know, we need to help people perform the best that they can, but also recover that the best they can so that they can perform again. And really that's, that's what it comes down to. So with having enough of each macronutrient, with having enough caloric intake, with having enough um, micronutrients to go with that as well, in theory, it will do that. And then on top of that, then we can start to look into specifically weight loss, weight gain in terms of hypertrophy but we need to have that that baseline. We need to be able to perform right. before we should be able to, to start really saying, all right, we need to take 500 calories off here, add 200 there. Um, I think that just that's when it gets too tricky, and that should be for your uh, off-season. That, yeah. that you shouldn't even be dealing with that in-season. That's just too difficult unless, you know, for some reason you go into the season already too heavy and you know you need to, to bulk down for that matter. So... Now, what are your, some some of your uh, favorite protein sources for your athletes to have? For my athletes, I'm you know chicken um, stuff that's high you know just high protein that you know leaner cuts of beef stuff that's easier for them to get more protein without. If we're being honest, overall, if I'm working with an athlete, nine times out of ten, I'm just telling them to fucking eat. Eat. Eat whatever. You know what, when I say protein, you know what protein means. Whether it's chicken, whether it's beef, whether it's, you know, taco meat, whether it's ground beef. You know what protein is. You know what carbs are. Fucking eat them. Yep. If I'm working with somebody who's, like, super concerned about it, then, yeah, it's... It's chicken, it's leaner cuts of beef. If if we're talking about, you know, I know you're you know, you're more on the, the carnivore and that kind of thing, so it's it's you're not as worried about the leaner cuts of, of uh, meats and that that's it's just a different thing. But 
I'm personally telling them stuff that's high in protein because I want them to get enough, but the stuff that's lower in protein also can be super filling. Super filling is also typically more affordable as well. It is. It is. Um, so usually, you know, that's what I tend to lean on. Yeah. Chicken, like ground beef that's over 90% lean. Um, your, uh, I mean, you can, most of the time you can look at, you can look at a steak and be like, okay, that, you can have two steaks that are the same cut and like, okay, that one's lean, this one is not. You can see the marbling of the fat and all, right. I mean, that's, that's the difference between the more expense, a lot of times the more expensive cuts of meat are more marbled, they have more fat in them, that's yeah. also why they taste better, mm-hmm. like, let's be real. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's eat your goddamn food, but if we have to go past that, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't get too caught up in it. It's, you know, go ahead and just eat. You know, we have we have certain numbers that we have to hit, so mm-hmm. really just get the food in, and then you have to dial back when when needed. So I don't get too caught up in, in specific sources. I just no. make sure and tell people it, it has to come from a whole food source first before you start adding in supplementation. Yeah, I agree, you know, 100%. The, the, I'm always asked, you know, should I eat six smaller meals a day? For athletes, I think that's fine because they have to get the calories in. So, yes, I'm a fan of it when it comes to more active individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, for the general population, not necessarily as much unless they have blood sugar issues and then they need a way of balancing it. So that's also time where, where I'll say only eat three a day to start, maybe four, but with an athlete, bump it up to six because they do need to get that caloric intake, uh, which I think is is uh, can be huge for them in order of, of staying fulfilled longer um, yeah if that's the way that we want to describe it um but i don't i know some people are like well i don't drink milk if you have an allergy to it or a sensitivity fine don't drink it Mm -hmm. but i'm also fine with it because they have shown like chocolate milk is a great post-workout recovery yep um, just from the nutrients in the milk itself and you get some of the lactose and the sugar to help with that so something as simple as that you know and who doesn't love chocolate milk if you're a milk drinker Right, right um so i think that that's always good but I think the nutrition right around performance is is also something that people don't dial in on as much. So, for example, if you have someone who said, you know, let's say that they're they work out here for three months, but they want to get better at an obstacle course race, mm-hmm. or if they want to go through a triathlon, whatever it may be, you know, then when they start training on the bike or for the swim or for the run, you know, they should be practicing pre-workout nutrition peri-workout nutrition and then post-workout nutrition you know they they, we have to train the same way that we perform you know we can't just wait till race day and say i'm going to do x y and z because that's usually when people have worse performance just because their body's not adapted to it right and then people don't understand why right you know that's that's i think yeah people your your body i mean it's a little bit more complicated but if you boil it down to it it's no different than if you train what you teach your body to do is what it's going to want to do and when you change that your body's going to have a hard time at first mm-hmm. if you go into if your plan is to uh to run you know a 5k in a super fast time and you only train your arms and then you go into it and oh crap i didn't even think about the fact that i have to use my legs for this 5k yeah like i know that sounds so stupid but if you think about it it's really not that different if you're telling your body for the five months leading up to an event, okay, I don't eat carbohydrates, and then the day before or the day of, you mash down as much carbs as you can get your 
your hands on, yeah. well, your body's still going to be doing everything as if you don't have the carbs, and it'll, I mean, it'll use the carbs because your body never does a hundred percent of one thing, yeah. but. It's not going to prioritize that because you haven't prioritized it before that. Like you have to, whatever you want your body to do, it has to be adjusted to. It's not something that can be changed on the fly. Yeah. You'll notice a difference in performance, not a huge one, but if you never have carbs and then you have carbs before an event, yes, you, but as soon as that, that quick story you talked about it with the glycogen, yeah. as soon as the non-glycogen, uh, carbs whatever they break down you know the glucose all that stuff as soon as that stuff is burned up you go right back to where you were yeah you know it's not like oh now my body is going to start using this the way i want it to no no the body will just say i'm used to not burning carbs i'm going to go back to that but now you've already thrown a wrench in the body's plans so now it's probably going to perform worse until your body can adapt to it you know so Nutrition and meal planning, I think, becomes super important because we can't look at this as a as a day to day. What am I going to eat? You know, you really need to dial it in, and it's a, it's a it's like a training program. You know, you need to fuel yourself, so it's a fueling program. You need to know what you're going to eat throughout the week, how much you're going to eat, or roughly how much you're going to eat. Um, so I'm a huge fan of of meal prepping because then you can just cook large quantities of it and eat it throughout the week, and it makes it easy. Problem is with that, people don't like eating the same thing over and over again. Um, I'm fortunate. I'm a pretty boring eater. I can eat the same thing over and over again. It doesn't phase me. You know what I think is funny about that, though? Is people will say, oh, I like variety. I don't like eating the same thing. If you're a person that says that when somebody says to like meal prep ahead of time, for the next three weeks, I want you to write down what you eat. I will bet you it is close to the same 10 or 12 uh, things. You are not eating in as much variety as you want. The the answer is not, I need more variety. The answer is that I enjoy these palatable foods, not these palatable foods. Or less palatable foods, if you want to put it that way. Sure. Like... And yeah, there there is a difference in in eating a meal that was cooked three days ago. I mean, we all you know like the just like the what are we having for dinner? Leftovers. Ah, oh, shit. Like the like in every sitcom in every person's home growing up, leftover day is the day that you're like, ugh, I don't want leftovers. So like, I get that, but at the same time, until you start cooking for a week, you know, a week in advance or you know a few days in advance. Dude, it saves you so much goddamn time. Yeah. Me personally, I don't no, know. Maybe No, it, it does because, you know, especially like on my longer days I get home, the last thing I want to do is cook. Yeah. So usually on Sundays I make a huge meal anyways, and usually that can supply me for at least the next day. And yeah. even when I'm eating on a Monday, I'll still cook my Tuesday or my Wednesday meal so that I don't have to worry about it. Um, but it, it does it does take up a lot of time. However, the air fryer helps out. Yes. You know, <laughs> set it and forget it. That's yeah. the that's the key part. Um, but it's, it's, we have to think of nutrition as, as a training tool, Mm -hmm. performance tool or performance aid. And, you know, some people just kind of pass it off, you know, it's, oh, I I need to eat something. It's like, well, there's a little bit more importance to, oh, I need to eat something. It's all right. I just worked out today, so I need to help my body recover from today. I need to make sure it fully recovers for the next 18 hours before I train again. I need to make sure that I set myself up for success to now have the best workout the next day. Now, does that mean we should be consuming, you know, 
calories carelessly? No, no, we, we have to pay attention to what we're putting into our body. So uh, again, in a, in a world where we love absolutes, we're not giving you absolutes. A lot of this is trial and error. Mm-hmm. You have to see what works, you have to see what doesn't work. Fortunately, there's there are a lot of good sports nutritionists out there that can help speed up the process. You know, they'll help you figure out your caloric intake, kind of where your BMI's at. You know, they'll, they'll take into account your lifestyle and they, they can speed up the process to reduce some of those errors. But even when those recommendations are made, we don't know how long it's gonna take before your body will start adapting, you know? And, and I think we need to exercise some patience because, you know, you hear people, well, I've been eating good for five days, I haven't lost any weight. All right. Well, if you've been eating like shit for 30, four months before that, uh, I was, yeah, I was even going to oh, say yeah, longer right. than that. You yeah. know, 30, 30 years. Okay, yeah. it's not just going to change. No, you know, and and the body has to take time. In the beginning, if you dump a lot of calories into your system right away, your body will use them all up because it's not used to it. Right. And then after that, it kind of slows down. It gets used to it and says, "Oh, well, I can use this. Let me store that." You know, just like with uh, eating too little. You know, the body says in the beginning. I'm going to burn body fat. You know, the nice part is I'm going to help you lose weight. And then after a while, the body says, well, wait a minute. I'm in a calorically restricted state. Yeah. I can't waste this fat because I don't know when I'm going to eat again. So then the metabolism slows down. And then you have the person that's, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not losing any more weight. It's I'm, I'm eating less. I'm working out more. It's just not coming off. And I'm actually gaining weight. Well, yeah, now your body's in survival mode. Mm-hmm. You know, you you... I don't want to say starvation mode because that's different, you right. know, because what they're doing is voluntary. Not right. smart, but it's voluntary. Right. Um, but the body's gotten to a point where it's maladapted. So those people, you actually have to now give them more food. You have to basically reset their metabolism, and then you can start to back off to find their set point. So, yeah, and I think it's important too. Like, So you're talking about working your way back like that. With performance, a lot of times, if you're going into something, it, it, you you have to be proactive about this, about eating enough especially. Because I've noticed this myself. If I'm training really hard, the first two weeks, if I'm eating in a deficit, I'm usually okay. I hit week three and a half, week four, and I'm in the gym and I'm like, what the hell? I've been doing this much weight for the last three weeks. I try and add five pounds and now I can't pick the bar up anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so... And that isn't just that week. It isn't. It's it's built up. Or you know, I've been training for four weeks and I've been fine. And all of a sudden, week five, my knees are starting to be pain, are starting to hurt when I run or, yeah. or whatever. So that's what's so important is because if you're not, and again, this comes from experience. If you're not thinking ahead, if you're not eating ahead, essentially, if you're not eating support, you're not gonna most of the time. You're not gonna know right away unless it's something you've done a thousand times. And so when you change up something, your body is immediately sure. willing to adjust. But more often than not, you're not going to know until you get down the line, until it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. And then it's not a, okay, I haven't been, basically what you just said, I haven't been eating enough for four weeks. You're not just going to up your calories and two days later, you're going to feel like you did four weeks earlier. No, it's going to take a no, couple. it's probably going to take four to six weeks now to see that regaining. Right, exactly. Because now the body has to go back through and say, all right, I was calorically restricted. Right. Now I have to learn how to use these calories all over again. And that's where the tools like the, you know, not that there are better tools than a calorie calculator, but it can often give you at least like a, a starting point, yeah. you know, within a few hundred those, you know, don't take into account a lot of things, but they at least give you like, 
you know, if it's, oh, it says I should eat 2,200 calories. Okay, so maybe that maybe you should actually be eating 800, 1800, excuse me, not 800, 1800. Maybe you should actually be eating 2400, but at least it gives you like within a few hundred calorie range and then you can go whatever direction you need to. Well, there was in the same research articles I talked about earlier, you know, they basically said, you know, you can start with, you know, multiplying your body weight times 10 and start from there. Mm -hmm. And that's for not even a high level athlete, that's just your day to day activities. Right. Then when you have a moderately active individual, times it by 15. 15. And then if you have someone who's a super athlete, you know, 19 to 21. Yeah. So that's a significant amount. And then you take that overall calories, divide it by four, and that's going to give you a number of grams that you can have for your carbs and your proteins. And then you take the overall number uh, or what's left divided by nine, and that's going to give you the number of fats that you can have. So um, all the tools are out there. Mm -hmm. Now, actually consuming that amount of calories can be the challenging part. And just because it's on paper doesn't mean it works with your physiology. Right. So some of those people may need to adjust, drop the carbs, increase the protein. Some people may need to drop the fats and increase the carbs. It's too individualized for us to say, yeah. do this, don't do that. It's, it's like everything else. It depends. But the yeah. easiest way, try it. Yeah. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't, switch it up. You know, you are your your own best research. You know, you can read all the articles you want. You can do all the research you want. But until you actually put the food in your mouth and your body has to digest it and then you have to utilize it for energy, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. I mean, if, if everybody was the same, then you and I would both be doing carnivore or you and I would both be eating a normal diet higher in carbs. Yeah. Like, we, and we would, we would have the we, exact same performance on it. And we'd and probably have the exact same physique. Yep. You know, and, that, and, and it's just not, it's not linear. Right. You know, we, and we can never expect that. So, all right. Any, uh, any other tips for the listeners? No, I think we, we hit a lot of things. I mean, anytime you talk about nutrition and stuff that's that sciencey, you could keep these going forever. So we got to cut somewhere, but I think we hit a lot of good things. Um, so you guys know the drill. Uh, take a look at the description if you want the link to uh, Ross's Ask Ross Anything page, or I should say his Fit for Life PT page where he doesn't ask Ross everything every other Thursday. So you did it last Thursday, so it'll be next week, Next right? Thursday, yeah. So next week, May 4th? 4th, 5th, somewhere around there. Something like that. 4th or 5th, whatever whatever the following Wednesday is from today, which is the 28th. Yeah. So uh, that's on there. My Gray Method page is also on there. Ross's Wellevate account. We talked a lot about different supplements today. If you want to look up, see what he has for recommendations on there as well. Otherwise, guys, until next week, we will catch you later. Have a good one.